And thank you, Sigurd's family. Brilliant prayers, and Isaac particularly, because I changed the reading just before the start of the service, and he had to sort of adapt, um, and you read it brilliantly, so thank you, Isaac. Now, um, uh, we're in our discipleship series, Disciples, and this week it's Rest Well, that you've picked up in the prayers already and things that there's a theme around Sabbath, which we'll return to. But I want to begin with a story from just a couple of weeks ago. True story. It was my day off. Um, It was... uh, Friday, is it? Is it? Yeah, brilliant. It was a Friday, um, it was my day off, and um, uh, I was on a spa day with Michelle. It's very nice. And um, uh, I had, it was sort of, uh, we'd, we'd been in the sauna or whatever thing in the, in the morning, we had high tea coming up. And it was just a, an idle moment um, before high tea arrived, and Michelle was drying her hair or whatever women do, it takes a little bit longer than men, um, and uh, there is just a, an idle moment, which is kind of the point of a spa day, um, but I found myself taking my mobile phone out of my pocket. I know, I know, I know. And then uh, before I knew what I was doing almost on autopilot, I opened up the email app. I saw one from a very important person, my church warden. And I just, I thought, oh, that looks like a quick one to respond to. I quickly, quickly, was a quick one. Quick reply, respond, phone back in the pocket. Michelle comes. I think all's fine with the world. It's all good. 20 minutes later, I get this uh, email back from my church warden. Mike, seriously, replying to this on your day off, I need you to rest productively and be at your most spiritually alive to face the rigors of church leadership. Go rest and be with Jesus. This can wait. Catherine Stickland. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, She doesn't know how to spell riggers. (laughs) And next time you see her, can you remind her of that? Um, I said to her, she was here in the first service, that we all still have something to learn, it seems, from this experience. Um, But of course, she was quite right. I wonder whether you, like me, um, ever struggle to switch off, to keep the phone in the pocket, not even to touch it. Do you ever find yourself taking your phone out your pocket when actually you've got no reason to? There's not a message that's come in. You just kind of instinctively go and you go. And because it's got so many distractions on it, you find something else to do. And five minutes later, you're like, why did I take my phone out of my pocket again? Or an hour later, you ask that question. Uh, do you ever find your mind whirring with anxiety about something and you just can't stop thinking? Perhaps before you go to bed at night and you just can't switch off. Do you ever find yourself on Monday or Tuesday at work already longing for the weekend? Your soul feel like, feels like it needs rest and the week's hardly begun. Do you ever find yourself um, uh, just constantly on the go? Whether you work or whether you're a young person or whether you're retired, you can't switch off. You know, there was a YouGov poll done last year by the Mental Health Foundation, um, surveyed uh, about 5,000 people, and they found out from that poll that 74% of people have at some point in the last year, or multiple points, felt so stressed they've been overwhelmed and unable to cope. 74% self-confessed that there have been moments in the last year they felt overwhelmed and unable to cope. 60% of 18 to 24-year-olds and 41% of 25 to 34-year-olds cited the pressure to succeed as causing high stress. 
In another poll, 60% of successful professionals say they suffer chronic stress and depression. 60% chronic stress and depression. 48% of corporate executives in the US, this is, report their lives feel empty and meaningless. Even if you're retired, do you find yourself endlessly busy with one thing or another? Do you wonder how you ever fit fitted work in? I've heard my parents say that. I wonder how I ever fitted work or ministry in. I'm so busy all the time. Whether it be um, uh, keeping up with the family or friends or the grandchildren, if you're fortunate enough to have them. Um, the garden, the emails keep coming in. Exercise, if exercise goes wrong, the hip replacement. Um, <laughs> there's endless things still to be done. We live in a 24-7, busy, distracted, screen-saturated culture. And it's a problem. It's killing us. In Japan, they have a specific word called karoshi, which is the word for dying from overwork. 10% of people in Japan every year die from overwork, from karoshi. In Chinese, the uh, word for busy is written like this. It combines two pictographs that stand for heart and death. Busyness kills the heart. We have a problem in our society. Uh, a couple of weeks back, again, I'm quite unconnected to this. Occasionally, if I'm uh, sitting there in the evening, instead of just chucking anything on the TV, I like to, um, maybe it's a small discipline for me to try and be productive in my rest time, I chuck on a TED Talk. Do you know what TED Talks are? Anybody know what TED Talks are? Um, uh, little snippets, short things, like four minutes to ten minutes long, uh, little inspiring thought, educational something, seeing the world in a different way. And there was a guy who gave a talk um, on why our screens make us less happy. And um, he shared this slide during it. It really struck me. Uh, this is research um, done, complemented by apps and stuff that people's devices with screens use. And in 2007, 2015, 2017, uh, these, um, I'll explain this because they all look the same at the moment. But we, we basically have the same amount of sleep um, in a 24-hour period. This is the average workday, working person. Same amount of sleep. I think he said about seven and a half hours is the average. And then on the work and commute to work, roughly the same amount of time. Survival, that's like food and, and um, uh, going to the toilet and things like that. Same, roughly the same amount of thing, time. And so that white space at the end is where life really happens. That's the precious time. That's the important time that forms us, that really matters to us. When we're on our deathbed, we don't talk about our sleep or the meals we ate or our commute to work. We talk about what happens in that white space. That's where life really is meant to happen. But then he overlaid this data. So not this. The next one, that's just where life happens. The red bar is our screen use over time. Average screen use. And you can see it's increasing, frighteningly. You might not be this extreme end, but there'll be people in this congregation who probably aren't far off this. That space that is meant to include the most important things in life that make us, that form us, that are the narratives that we listen to, that become the memories that are most important in our lives, are being saturated to an ever-increasing degree by screens of one form or another. That thin yellow sliver up there is all we have left. 
and we wonder why screens are making us less happy. There's loads of research to back this up, and I think, I was chatting to some youth after the first service, I think we run the risk of not taking it seriously enough, and in years to come, we'll look back and go, what were we thinking? How did we not see this? Because this is the space in our lives that's short already that is what really matters. And more often than not, we're distracted or we're too busy with one screen or another. And uh, the guy who was speaking said, the problem is, one of the main problems is, we've lost our stopping cues. Our stopping cues. Psychiatrists talk about stopping cues. Now, what he means by that is, in the olden days, if you um, had a newspaper, and that's how you were getting the news, you'd start reading the newspaper, and I always started from the back, because I'm a sports fan, and I'd go through, and then, but when I got to the end of the newspaper, you just put it down. Stopping cue. Now, we have endless websites with 24-7 news, news channels that go on day and night, and we can consume as much news as we ever want. Media. Uh, I used to look forward to 9 p.m. on a Friday night as a teenager, because that was Friends, <laughs> when it was actually coming out live. I'm actually older than I look. <laughs> uh, but I had to wait a week before the next episode. Stopping cue. Now, you can watch all 83 hours and 40 minutes back to back on Netflix if you want to. There's no stopping cue. And in fact, unless you change the setting, at the end of one episode, it will default roll onto the next one before you can even press stop. No stopping cue. In the past, shops weren't open on a Sunday. You had to stop. Now, you can order something on Amazon Prime on Saturday night, and it will be with you on Sunday. We've lost our stopping cues. Some companies are trying to redress this. <laughs> a message comes in. So, who was that? Um, uh, we, <laughs> um, it could well have been me. So, um, we, some companies are trying to redress this, though. I love this image. This is a, a Dutch design company's office, and their desks are attached to their ceiling. At 6 p.m. every day, the desk rises to the ceiling. You have to stop work, and an exercise class starts. Stopping cue. At Daimler, the German car company, if you go off on work on annual leave, and you put your out of office on, if someone emails you, the reply they get back goes something like this. I'm sorry, so-and-so is on holiday. Your email has been deleted. <laughs> they will never see your message. If it's still important in two weeks, do feel free to email them back, or if it's more urgent, contact this person. So that whilst they're away on holiday, they actually stop. They switch off to switch on to more important things. It really matters. All the, 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 the employees of that company are grateful for that out-of-office thing. Now, there might be some circumstances in your company where you can't do quite that, but you could do something like that. My out of office, if I go on holiday, it doesn't say your email has been deleted, but it does say, if your thing is still urgent, contact me again. The implication is I won't read your email. Because actually, again, it's been proven that people will now lose the last 48 hours of their annual leave, of their holiday, because they're worried about the inbox they're going to come back to. What's wrong with us? 
We've lost our stopping cues. And it's killing us. So what's the answer? Um, thankfully, we've already had the hint at the answer. I think Sabbath gives us a big clue as to the answer. The answer is not, um, first of all, a couple of things. The answer is not to work less, as we looked at last week and as um, the, uh, we heard on our talk. Work is a good thing. We were made for work, to be productive and fruitful in our lives. Work is a gift, and it's a good thing. God worked in creation before he took a rest from his work on the Sabbath. Work isn't the enemy. We're the enemy. Work isn't the enemy. I know lots of people who are very, very busy with work, but actually have a good life, and they seem at peace. They carry themselves lightly and with a joy. I equally know some people who don't seem to work very much, and they're constantly fretting, constantly anxious, anxious, constantly in a hurry. So the enemy isn't work. The enemy isn't also, the answer isn't also um, uh, some kind of self-help manual for modern life. Um, the problem goes deeper than that. This, what I'm about to say about Sabbath, isn't like the biblical equivalent of a self-help thing of how to survive modern life. As we'll see, it's actually far more than that because the problem goes far deeper. You see, we're so distracted and we're so busy and the stuff that we aren't attending to is the most important narratives and messages in life. The stuff that Sabbath tries to address in our lives. So, what about Sabbath. You see, as we had read to us so brilliantly by Isaac, Sabbath, the idea of Sabbath, isn't um, biblical advice. It's a commandment. It's one of the commandments. God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In fact, it's the longest commandment in the whole list. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. This is for everybody. It's meant to be for everybody. The whole community is involved in this. Jewish families still, when they begin the Sabbath on a Friday evening with Shabbat, a meal, they do it by opening their homes to community. So if you're on your own and you haven't got a family to share a Shabbat meal with, you can join so that the whole community is supporting one another. If you come to this point in the week in Jerusalem, it's actually really easy because all the shops are closing, everything's closing down at this time. In our country, it's much harder to celebrate it properly because everything just keeps on going. That doesn't mean it's not important. It's a command. Let me put it this way. If I said to you... Um, uh, at, at coffee in between the services. If I came up to you and I said, I'm, I'm really struggling with keeping Sabbath at the moment. I imagine the response would probably go something like, Mike, don't be so hard on yourself. I know it's tough, but life is busy. It's all good. Don't worry. If I also said to you, I'm struggling with the, the commandment about murder as well. Or stealing, or whatever it is. Do you think you'd also say, might, why I've had it? <laughs> Jared can be very annoying. I understand. <laughs> um, no, you wouldn't. It's a commandment. That means God is saying you need to take this seriously. It's a commandment. It's also a gift, as we'll see in a moment. But we need to take it seriously. It's a commandment. 
And I'm a sinner in this area, and I expect most of you are too. But the thing is about the Sabbath, you see, you can say, and you go, well, that's, it's, it's a nice idea, but was it just for then? Um, uh, you can say, well, if you can take an extra day off, great. But what I want to suggest to you is it's not a day off. It's actually a day on the most important things in life. We switch off some things, yes, so that we can switch on to the most important things. Switch off to switch on. It says this, um, sorry, previous slide. I thought it was going to be, it doesn't matter. Um, switch off to switch on. It says this in verse 10 of our reading. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sabbath fundamentally reminds us that we are not Lord and we are not God, and it shifts us away from the center of our existence and off the throne of our lives and puts him back on it. Reminder that he provides all that actually we need, that the world will keep on spinning, the sun will keep on shining, the rain will keep on falling, the crops will keep on growing, the email doesn't actually need to be answered because you're not actually that important. The seventh, seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Think of it like this. Um, on the left-hand side there, you have the Copernican picture of our universe. People know what this is. He put the earth at the center of our galaxy. He said the earth is at the center, and everything else revolves around planet earth. Of course, history has proved that he was wrong. And despite overwhelming public opinion being against him, Galileo, got in a lot of trouble, said, no, the sun is at the center of the universe and we all revolve around it. The problem is the way we often live our lives is if we're the center of the universe and everything else revolves around us. And Sabbath helps us fix that by putting God back at the center of the universe. And when the gravitational pull is right and God is at the center, everything else begins to orbit around that fundamental truth. It's the first and primary thing that Sabbath does, is it shifts us away from the center, being the center of the universe. And instead of becoming orphans in a striving world, we become children of grace, of gift, understanding that we are children of a good and gracious, abundantly generous God who's given us everything that we need and so much more. Even Jesus, before he begins his ministry, before he's done a thing, before he's spoken these amazing sermons or healed a single person, before he's died on the cross for our sins, before he's done what he came to do, before any of that is baptized and these words come from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Before he's done anything, If we, I'm speaking to myself, but I'm also speaking to you, could do one thing in Lent, one thing by establishing a rhythm of Sabbath in our lives, that we felt, again, the weight of the gravitational pull of that central truth that we are loved, accepted, and valued because God says we are, not because of anything we achieve or do, 
it could begin to change our lives. That's why it's a command and it's so important and that's why it's a gift. I didn't say this, I forgot to say this in the first service as well. Perhaps it's so important because why is it we know that most often we might break the other commandments? We most often break the other commandments and sin when we're tired, lonely, hungry, angry, stressed. We know we're more likely to sin. The Sabbath helps us rest, helps us connect again, helps deal with some of those things that make it more likely we're going to break the other ones. Do you see why perhaps God says it's so important, why it's a command, but it's also a gift? Um, St. Augustine famously said it like this. He put it this way. He said, um, you, Lord, made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. And you see, this is why this is not like all the other self-help manuals, because all of them will ultimately say still, you are the center of your universe. It's you that matters. Look after yourself and your well-being and attend to your needs and there's some wisdom in that, don't get me wrong. It would be quite good if we had stronger out of offices and we finished work at a particular time. We valued the family meal time more than perhaps we do. We went on a walk. All those things might be very helpful, but fundamentally, if we don't shift ourselves from the center of the universe and put God there and actually feel the relief that it doesn't all orbit around us, we will remain restless. Do you see? So there's a profound truth in that for us. And Sabbath helps begin to redress the balance. So how can we in our lives, in our busy modern lives, switch off to switch on? And I want to challenge you, perhaps particularly in this season of Lent, as to how you do that. How you remind yourself of your dependence on God for everything. Could you find a 24-hour period in your week, and I would suggest you could, I could, we could, where actually you are productively resting, where you switch off to switch on to the most important things. Could you, if you're going for a walk by yourself, go for a walk, <laughs> but if you, if you are by yourself or with family, Put your phone on airplane mode. So it becomes a camera, but it's not a phone. You can still take photos of cool stuff happening and the memories that are going to form life, but you're not distracted. There's no emails coming in. There's no Instagram likes. You're just free from that. If you're having a mealtime at home or with friends or with family, leave the phone out of the room completely. There's no chance you can be distracted or get a little buzz and an endorphin hit. I'm needed. I'm important. Oh, I wonder who's messaged me. <laughs> Could you establish a rhythm once a week of having some friends over for dinner to celebrate and just enjoy the goodness of God in fellowship and community? See how it goes in Lent and see whether actually you want to keep it going. Is there... Um, I've already slipped up on this once already, but I've tried to set this sort of 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. kind of, I'm not allowed to touch this or like go on the internet with it or my laptop or anything, so that I switch off after 9 p.m. and before 9 a.m. I've already slipped out once, forgive me. 
more because I forgot, <laughs> but um, found myself again distracted. What might it be for you that is a helpful balance? I, I, there are other examples of members of the congregation here. I know someone who um, has instituted an Aldesco ban on his meals. What he means by that is I'm not going to eat my lunch through work. Like, I'm not going to work through lunch and just eat at my desk. He says, I sometimes have it, and I get a bit hungry about 11.30, and, uh, and so I end up just having my lunch at my desk. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take my lunch, and I'm going to go to the staff common, and I'm going to sit with others and have my lunch properly as a discipline in Lent to try and redress the balance. I know someone else who actually last week during the service felt so convicted that she quit her job. She quit her part-time job so that she could spend more time with the kids in this season of life. That might be pretty drastic. That might seem pretty extreme. That might not be possible for you for any number of reasons. And financial reasons. I understand that. But that was probably for her a wise decision and a courageous decision. What could you do? Waste some time intentionally with Jesus. Productively. Switch off to switch on. If you're a young person here, and this isn't meant to be have a go at young people, it counts for all of us, but you spend quite a bit of time on screens or computer games, Fortnite or whatever it is. <laughs> I understand these things. I've been forbidden from playing computer games for years. No, I'm joking. But, um, but if you do struggle with that and you know actually it is a problem what could you do to address the balance now my daughter Ava actually inspired me on this recently <laughs> I was like she, she asked me what I was doing for Lent and I asked and she said well, what are you doing for Lent and she said I'm going to stop watching TV <laughs> I was like really um she was like, well, obviously not on Sundays. I mean, you can have Lent Sundays off in Lent. I was like, wow, I didn't even know she knew that. But um, she's like, I'm going to stop watching TV. Uh, what are you going to do instead? Lego. Great idea. I could do with doing some Lego. I love Lego. <laughs> I don't mind doing a bit of Lego. Um, now, we've redressed it a little bit. Like, she's realized that no TV every day sometimes is going to be quite difficult for her. And, and it's fine, but she's moving in the right direction. And she's recognized that maybe her time may be more productively spent making Lego than watching TV. What might it be for you? As we finish, as we close, I don't want to say, let's not get religious about this. What is important, though, is that we do understand the spirit of Sabbath. It's command, but also it's gift for life. How are you going to pay attention to that now? We don't need 1,521 rules around the Sabbath, which is what they instituted in Jewish law. Um, but thank God for the practice that many of our Jewish friends would inspire us in in keeping the Sabbath. And they're far more attentive to that. What could it be for you? And as we close, I almost want to, I'm going to adapt what my church warden said to me and pray it over us, so to speak. So would you stand and I'm going to pray for us.